Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. All right. Welcome in to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm your host, Ross Martin, and this podcast is brought to you by Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. This is the Scoop, UNC's premier football recruiting podcast. As always, we're joined by Don Callahan. What's going on, Don? Not too much. We're actually breaking some ground right now because uh, our first time doing it on Zoom, so we can actually see each other. So this could get this could get interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is something we're trying across all most podcasts is doing Zoom video podcasts. So, of course, you're listening to it as a podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, and then but you can also check out the video on YouTube. So we're trying to do this across multiple platforms, uh, and you get to see our beautiful faces, especially Don, who didn't want to shave. And he's wearing a uh, Inside Carolina t-shirt. Yeah, so this is actually the first time I've done a podcast with a shirt on. So <laughs> I decided to just kind of keep with the theme. Yeah. I also have my Inside Carolina cup. There you go. And the podcast mug. There you so, go. Awesome. So, Oh, I do have news before we get to the, um, the news that people actually came to, to hear. Uh, I went, and as you know, I actually went out to eat three times last week, which was uh, kind, of, kind of interesting. It, even with the restaurants. It was crazy that uh, I had to basically call around to see who was actually open and who wasn't. And so many of them weren't open. And then mm-hmm. the ones that were, I mean, there were like places I would consider a bar. I know they serve, serve food. They were open. So it was just really kind of hectic kind of heading through that. You haven't, you haven't gone out yet as far as like restaurants yet. I actually you? went to a brewery in Asheville and I've gotten takeout a couple times now, but have not sat in a restaurant. Yeah, I, I mean, I've gotten plenty of takeout, but this was actually uh, went out to lunch with my daughter inside Olive Garden. All the other, all the other stops yeah. were outside. Which, of course, it was know. Olive Garden. Uh, you're a big Olive Garden guy, probably. I am. I'm. I'm actually not a big Olive Garden guy. TGI my Fridays, is. Ruby Tuesdays, uh, no, lobster, I, I red lobster much, on the holidays. I am much more of a of a non chain person, and I have my yeah my areas that I like a lot, but my daughter loves Olive Garden because of the fact that you get the endless breadsticks, which are yeah. pretty good and the endless salad. And she even asked for a salad at the very end so she could bring it home. Even though I explained to her that it was just going to just wilt. Hey, answer me her. this. Do you think buffets will exist anymore? I, I, I just don't see how they can, unless there's some sort of vaccine or whatever. It Big. just seems like it just, you know, spreading germs like freaking crazy. <laughs> Big Indian buffet guy. Okay, so we got video here. We got the podcast. We're cooking. We're rolling. We want you to to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure you do that. That helps us with the algorithms, and so more people can listen to this. We can get our viewership and listenership up, and that helps us do more podcasts. So help us, um, and then we help you, and so on and so forth. Um, Okay, here's the plan for the podcast. Having to go multiple screens here with Zoom. Okay, so we're going to talk about Javari Ritzy, who is making a commitment this Friday. Uh, we're going to get into a brief update on a couple recruits in the 2021 class. And then we're going to bring on – and we're talking about tight end as well. So a couple like little tidbits here and there from Don's Weekly Scoop, some things I, I think is worth talking about. And then we're bringing on a special guest, 2020 UNC signee Elijah Green, a running back from Georgia. He's going to join us, hop on the Zoom, hop on the podcast. We're going to do an interview with Elijah Green, and then we'll close with, a, um, with an update on Tony Grimes. I think he's going to be the guy we're going to be talking about a lot, a uh, five-star cornerback out of the uh, Virginia Beach area. Tony Grimes, is, uh, his recruitment is interesting. We're going to be mentioning him a lot over the next couple months. But that is the plan. Don, what do you think so far? Um, I'm excited. The one thing I'll mention is that we are pushing the top five back another week. Yeah. So if you have not sent us your top five holidays, please do so. Uh, you can always send them via Twitter at Don Callahan IC or on Inside Carolina's message board, just Don Callahan, I think, just PM me. 
or um, email don at insidecarolina.com. Okay, great. All right, let's get into it. Javari Ritzy has been one of UNC's top targets in the 2021 class. He has jumped up the rankings. He's now ranked in the 24-7 sports composite as the number 142, 142 overall player, the number 12 strong side defensive end, the number seven recruit in the state of North Carolina. He's six foot four, 274 pounds, super athletic. If you listen to our Steve Wiltfon podcast, he raved about his athleticism. He has a kind of a track and field history. Um, explosive athlete kind of can be pretty flexible in the line kind of on the outside and inside uh don he is committing announcing his commitment on friday the floor is yours yeah so he's down to or he's going to continue with his final five uh, georgia north carolina ohio state south carolina and tennessee He'll choose between those five. He did reveal to me over the weekend that he has he has narrowed it down to two and really has made the decision, but it basically came down to two schools. Um, and I feel that North Carolina is one of those two. Um, nice, and nice. Uh, Inside Carolina will be there to cover the announcement. We'll have some more details on Friday as far as our actual coverage plan. But uh, you know, we, we go into a little bit more detail on what's actually going down in the update we did with uh, Javari earlier in week. I think we posted on Monday. So definitely check that out. Yeah, and that's for premium subscribers, of course. There's always good deals to subscribe to Inside Carolina. Uh, is there, did you say a time for his announcement? Is that revealed yet? 6.30. 6.30. Okay. I know you revealed it to me, but I don't know if that was public knowledge. I actually head down to the beach this weekend. Ooh. Um, you going to be able to help cover it or no? Hey, Inside Carolina is a priority, so I'll have my <laughs> laptop out, ready to go. On the beach? Uh, nah, I don't, I don't know where, where, where we will be, but, um, you know. What beach are you going to? So, this is the plan. Um, you know, Michael Jordan's in that fishing tournament down there. Are you going to compete with him? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head out. No, I'm going to – so, I think it's – I've never really gotten into this Big Rock. So, it's a Big Rock fishing tournament in Moorhead City. Uh, Jordan's down there. It's really cool. Love going to the beach. So I think we're going to just head down. We got an Airbnb for two nights in, uh, outside Morehead City. And it's kind of just hang out, go to the beach, check out the scene, the fishing tournament. I've been trying to talk to the director, see if I can get some sort of press pass, but I don't think it's really, you know, you can kind of be there and take photos and take videos. So we'll see. Um, and then spend, uh, yeah, two nights down there. And then, and then Saturday night, we're not sure where we're going to go, but either either north to Outer Banks or, or maybe hang around the same area so and just chill down there. All right. Uh, that's the plan. All right. So Javari Ritzy, um, I mean, he goes to the same high school as Ra Ra Dilworth. He's been uh, on UNC's radar for a long time now. He would be another defensive line. Wait, does UNC have any defensive linemen committed for this class? It's been so long. Um, yeah. Um, God, I'm going blank. Um, I feel like there is. <laughs> I'm pulling it up here. It's a little live radio for you here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Keyshawn Silver. Yeah, got it. Uh, which is he, – he's ranked higher than um, – Yeah, I mean, he's Javari. one of the top-ranked commits. So, you got Keyshawn Silver, and then, um, you know, you got some guys who are kind of that outside linebacker defensive end um, players. Um, are they going to take any more defensive linemen if they do get Javari? Yeah, so – it depends on you know, North Carolina classifies that outside linebacker position as a defensive lineman. So yes, but if you consider them not defensive linemen, then no. Okay, they're not getting like another tackle or another nose. I mean, they're going to recruit some guys, and and some of those guys are on your list of questions you have for me coming up. Um, okay, but it's not a necessity. Okay, could either Keyshawn or uh, Javari play a nose, or are they more just like kind of that tackle, that interior tackle? Yeah, I, I see both of those guys as four tech, four eye techniques. But you know, these kids are still maturing. I mean, who knows? But I mean, I, I think that's the that's the plan is four eye. Okay, great. All right, uh, Javari Ritzy, six thirty on Friday. Stay tuned to Inside Carolina for that. Uh, it seems like Don will be there for the announcement, and we'll have to see what um, Mr. Ritzy <laughs> selects. Okay. Uh, the Zoom thing is kind of crazy because I have to like pull up all these windows. Okay, let's quickly, before we bring on Elijah Green, let's go through a couple names I noticed in some articles and your scoop from last week, which is great to check out. I actually read that today. Sorry about that, Dom. 
I'm going to list the names. Don, give me a little update on who they are and what's going on with the recruitment. We'll fly through these before we talk to Elijah. All, All right. right, Yusuf uh, Mugabil, offensive tackle for Murphy. What's going on with him? Yeah, he's one of those guys that didn't wasn't able to take any visits this offseason other than he went, went to NC State in January. So not a whole lot is going on with him. He's just talking to coaches, a little, a little overwhelmed. So um, I haven't been able to actually speak with him. I've been speaking with some of his coaches to get an update on him. North Carolina is involved, but so are a bunch of other schools. Really, this is – this is a recruitment that hasn't been truly defined yet. He's an offensive lineman, four-star off, offensive lineman out of Murphy, North Carolina, which is important because even though he's in the state of North Carolina, he's, and we've talked about this before in the yeah. podcast, he's much closer than a lot of SEC schools than North Carolina, significantly closer uh, than North Carolina. The yeah, this, is, this guy's a four-star. I mean, he's a top 200 recruit. He's a big-time player, um, number 11 offensive guard in the nation. So UNC wants him, right? He, he is a take for the Tar Heels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's one of those – UNC has done an offensive line, but he's one of those guys who they would make room for. Okay, for cool. Sure. So follow uh, Mugabil. We'll see what happens there. Uh, moving on, another offensive lineman, Logan Taylor out of Episcopal School in Virginia. What's going on with him? Big time, big, uh, raw offensive tackle. Yeah, so um, – He's kind of in the same boat, only slightly different, where uh, he's Canadian. And since the coronavirus hit, he, ha- he returned to Nova Scotia and has been up there. And he has actually only visited one college ever. And that's University of Virginia during, I think, their bye week during the season last year. Whereas Mookerville has vis- visited a couple schools last year, including North Carolina. And the other thing, too, is he has no, um, I guess, no idea about different colleges, the reputations and all that sort of stuff. Growing up in Canada, it's not that big of a deal. College football isn't. So he's just completely wide open. Another kid who's just being bombarded, you have to reach out to his coach in order to get any sort of update on him because uh, he's you know, literally turning off his phone and, and even colleges haven't been able to get in touch with him. He's another one that North Carolina will take regardless just because he's such a, a high elite talent. Um, and, and North Carolina really, um, I mean, he's high on the wish list. Yeah. Would they take Mugabil and Taylor? It's one of those things where it's like, probably, but yeah. the odds of that happening are slim. The odds are much, much greater that they don't get either of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like one of those things where let's cross that bridge when we get to it. I mean, a lot of recruiting, I get those sort of questions all the time. And a lot of them is, is like, who knows right now if it happens, then we'll worry about it sort of thing. But I mean, I see it hard for UNC to pass on two elite Mm. Uh, offensive lineman great all right quickly here Tyrion ingram dawkins yeah so he actually has been able to visit schools but quickly what, what, can you tell us about him quickly his position and everything yeah he's a uh, defensive tackle one of the defensive tackles i was kind of mentioning earlier four-star guy out of south carolina um he's been able to visit schools but has not been able to visit north carolina which is the main kind of holding point with him unc's recruits have really kind of sunk their teeth into him and, and, and are really recruiting him hard, which is helping UNC stay alive in this uh, recruitment, even though he hasn't been able to visit campus. Okay. And it seems like what I read is he's pretty fickle and it's hard to get a gauge on where he really wants to go. Yeah. I mean, he's a kid who was set to commit to Tennessee. I guess it was a couple of weeks yeah. now ago, um, came close to committing to Georgia. South Carolina is always kind of in the shadows because um, he goes to a school that's very pro Gamecock. Um, so, yeah, so it's going to be a, a very dramatic um, recruitment to follow. And the crystal ball is, is way in favor of South Carolina. He's from Gaffney, South Carolina. Um, you know what uh, stands out about Gaffney, Don? The peach. Yeah, I got a big peach on the highway there. Good job. And I loved it. Did you watch House of Cards? Yeah, he, the House of Cards guy was from there. Yeah, so I, so I love that, that they uh, – because I always drive past that peach going usually to the Shrine Bowl or anywhere in South Carolina, so it was kind of cool to see that on uh, – Netflix. You a big Kevin Spacey guy? <laughs> I, I'm going to no comment that because I feel like you're just going to head down in a really bad direction. Yeah, uh, no comment either. Okay. <laughs> uh, and last one for this group, George Wilson, uh, defensive end from Virginia Beach area. Uh, a newer name, I believe, but someone that seems like UNC is leading for. Yeah, he kind of falls in that category of the outside linebacker position, that rush outside linebacker. 
he's basically, you know, UNC missed out on Zaire Patterson, who ended up committing to Clemson. He's the next in line. But UNC is super high on him. They don't feel like there's much of, if at all, much a drop-off from Patterson to him. Um, he's extremely raw, just like Patterson, only he's only played one year of, of high school football, one, one year of football period, 10 games, and that's it. But, uh, and, you, and you can kind of see it on his film. He came out with the top four earlier this month, North Carolina, Penn State, Arizona State, and South Carolina. And uh, we had a little bit of an update on just where things really are within his recruitment on the weekly scoop earlier this week. So check that out. Have you been up to Virginia Beach yet for anything, for visits, Grimes, Wilson? I was up there earlier this year, and I don't know if I should say there's a chance I could go up there soon if things work out, again, to kind of catch up with some of those, uh, those Virginia Beach guys. There you go. No promises. Things change, especially nowadays in the, in, in the world we live in. Yeah. Okay. Let's, um, we're going to hold off and talk about tied in, the, what's going on at tight end after the Elijah Green interview, and we're going to talk about Tony Grimes at the end, too. So stay tuned for that. Now I want to talk to you about Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. They're your stop for all your UNC apparel needs. We're talking shirts. We're talking cups. We're talking hats. We're talking sweatshirts. Anything you want to wear, UNC, Carolina blue, even this navy blue, white apparel needs, go to Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. If you are an inside kind of subscriber, you get 10% off. Go to the premium message board and get that code. Go to checkout online or in the store and get all your UNC stuff. They're local. They have great customer service. They're, um, I think their uh, headquarters are in Chapel Hill, but also have a warehouse in Hillsborough. So support them, support us, Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. When we come back, we'll bring on UNC 2020 running back signee and incoming freshman, Elijah Green. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. And welcome back. And we are now, welcome back to the scoop. And we're uh, really happy to bring on 2020 UNC running back signee, Elijah Green, 5'10", 190 from Roswell, Georgia. What's going on, Elijah? I'm good. How about yourself? Thank you for having me on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Don, floor is yours, man. Yeah, so um, I really appreciate you being on, Elijah. I wanted to kind of just go back to your recruitment for those who are listening who haven't had a chance to kind of follow your recruitment. You, you basically, uh, last year, I guess last June, you took a couple of official visits, Michigan State, Vanderbilt and then you took kind of it was, it was a little bit I guess quiet visit to North Carolina in July and I think on that day you actually committed just kind of take me through just just the, those two summer months and how you came to make your your commitment to North Carolina. Yes sir so um during those months there was a kind of a time that I wanted to really condense my offer list and kind of focus on them in on schools that I really felt that would be the best fit for me. And obviously, it was schools that I felt that can help me the best academically, also can develop me as the best football player I can possibly be. So during those times, I pretty much uh, shortened my list to Virginia, Michigan State, Vanderbilt, and UNC. And those are the schools that I felt that I liked the most and that I have the most success at. So during those times, I started talking to those coaches, and I took the official to Michigan State and Vanderbilt. And um, at the time, I was still talking to Coach G at UNC and stuff, and I ended up having my uh, football camp. Or, uh, we went away to Western Carolina, and um, I wasn't able to take any more visits at that time because I was with my football team. And um, during, the, uh, during that camp, I was still talking to Coach G, and I really wanted to get out to UNC and see it. So at the end of my camp, um, that next day, after I got back home, I went right to UNC. It was kind of a more quiet visit. So I went there and I saw the campus because before my visit at UNC, the thing that I wasn't able to make a full decision whether I wanted to go there was on the first time I went, I didn't get to see, I didn't get to meet any academic counselors. I didn't get to see anything about the business school. I didn't really get to see around the campus. So those things was kind of holding me back to be able to make a full decision. And of course, UNC was one of the forefronts of my mind just because of how well of a visit I had the first time and my relationship with Coach G. 
So after that visit, when I went there, I was able to see the academic counselors and really talk with all the coaches. And I had to sit down with coach with uh, coach Brown and coach G. Um, I really found like that was my home. And, uh, after we left that visit, I told my parents in the car on the way back, I was like, this is where I want to go. I want to commit here. And my parents, they're really happy about it because they felt that I was making a really good decision. So that next day, I actually I called um, Coach Brown. And I kind, of, I kind of played around with it a little bit. I don't know. Um, so when I called him, I was like, well, thank you for having me on a visit. And I kind of acted like I was going to say that <laughs> I was going to go somewhere else and um and i could be like cured in his voice and then i was like i'm just i'd like to commit to the university and him and coach g and the whole coaching staff were really happy so um i felt like i made the best decision at that time and that's kind of what led me to commit to unc awesome elijah what, what is that conversation like with brown when he has you in his office with with coach g like, what is he talking to you about? What's that like? Because obviously we haven't been in that situation. Well, he's kind of just talking about why he recruited you because Coach Brown, he wants to only recruit the best guys. It's easy to recruit good athletes because there's good athletes all around, but it's harder to find guys that they feel like are good athletes and good people. And he wanted to express that I was a good person and he feels that he wouldn't be recruiting me if he didn't feel like I could help his program, but also be able to help with the culture on the team and just having good guys on the football team. So it's more about that and just more about me connecting with him, getting a sense of why I was there and why he wanted me. And also just, just talking about his coaching tenure and his, his life as a coach and his philosophy and really what he believes in as coach and his morals and values. And that really stuck with me because he's a really personable guy and, I was really able to relate to the things he said and um, I was really to connect to that. So that kind of led me to really know that this is the head coach I wanted to play for. Now, when you committed to North Carolina, UNC already had two running backs committed. Now, one of them has since, you know, went a different direction, Elijah, Elijah Burris. Um, What role did being a part of a three running back class play on your decision? Well, of course, I didn't really want to – I wanted to go to the school that best I felt like I could best fit and that helped me the most. And this kind of place felt like home. And I was like, yeah, there's three running backs, two other running backs, but I'm not going to let that kind of thing keep me from a Class A education and playing for the best head coach in college football and just being on a new team, a new culture, and a team that's really rising. So – um, that didn't really factor too much in my decision. Coach G said that he really wanted me. And even if the running back room was packed how it was, um, he'd really happy to have me on the team. So it didn't weigh too much on, in on the decision. You've mentioned academics a lot. Uh, do you have an intended major or kind of career you want to focus on when you get to UNC? Yeah, I'm going to focus on like business administration, communications, and entrepreneurship. Do you, want to do, do you want to do business school, Keenan Flagg or business school? Gotcha. Uh, and w- quickly, I think we need to ask this. Do you know when you're going to enroll and like what that, what they've told you about enrolling at UNC? Yes, sir. So starting Friday, they're pretty much splitting the team into groups. And um, those, they don't want to bring everyone back at the same time. Yeah. Because, and you got to do all the testing and stuff. So the health officials and Coach Brown felt that it was best that they bring the guys in waves. So there's three waves. The first wave's going to be on June 12th, the other one on June 19th, another one on June 26th, and then the rest of the players will come on June 29th. So I'll be in the third wave. So I'll be coming on June 26th. And it sounds and, like most of the freshmen are kind of in that, the, the third wave maybe, third or, third. third or fourth wave? Yeah. Yeah, most of the freshmen are there. And then also like how far away you live from campus. And I'm in Georgia, so it's a little bit harder for me to, be to commute back and forth and okay. like that also played into before we we close the door on the recruiting side of things uh, you actually sustained an injury during your junior season of high school football which is usually really kind of puts people or recruits behind the eight ball a little bit with their recruitment because you know you rely heavily on that film 
how did that impact just who was looking at you and, and did you have to do anything special to kind of compensate for that? Well, um, during that, uh, a lot of the coaches that I was talking to before, I had a pretty good sophomore year. I had a really good sophomore year, and that's when I really got picking up in my recruitment, and I got offers from, like, South Carolina and Iowa State and UNC. A lot of the schools continued to look at me, even though that I did get injured during that year because they uh, really believed in me and they really liked my film. But during that year, some schools did kind of fall off during that, but then I was able to come back at the end and have some pretty good games after I was able, the best I could because I was still recovering from my, um, my injury. But then, um, but I still continue to get some offers during that time, like Virginia Tech, and I got Boston College during when I was hurt. So um, a lot of them really trusted the film that they saw and the games that they watched me the year before, and they didn't want to hold it up getting hurt against me and my recruitment great and yeah so this is another thing kind of changing uh directions here your dad was an nfl safety and he played for a long time in nfl what was that like growing up uh with a dad in the nfl like did you where did you live and, and can you kind of dive into the life of, of a son who's, whose dad's a big time nfl player well i kind of lived like pretty much a little uh everywhere a little bit of everywhere i was born in new york okay and, and i moved to new orleans and then uh new england but we always had a house in georgia so i was able to live a little bit and i don't remember too much about the time because he retired a little bit in 2005 officially his last official season was in 2004 so i have vague remembers i remember watching on tv and being at one game when he was with the saints but um, just growing up, I was able to really learn from him because I've always seen his work ethic and he'd always be working out or doing something to help his body. So, And I was also been able to be in contact with other NFL players that he's been friends with and they've been able to mentor me and I've been able to learn from them about what they did to be able to get to the league and what led them to be so successful. And also my dad's been, he's played a really big part in that and just teaching me how to work hard and what it takes you to get there and just how to overcome adversity and how to use what you have and to develop yourself into a better player. So he's helped a lot with that. Yeah. And for those who don't know, uh, your dad's Victor green undrafted safety played for the jets from 93 to 2001, then new England for a year and then uh, new Orleans for a year and retired officially as a jet in 2006 he had 961 tackles, 25 interceptions, and, and three touchdowns, which is pretty incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you think you've – I mean, you mentioned that a little bit, but, like, a lot of people don't have a dad who's in the NFL. How has that really helped you develop as a football player, both on the field and kind of the mental aspect as well? Like, more what, like what I said about just the hard work aspect and just seeing how he works, even to this day. I work out with him and he trains me and my friends, Quentin and JD, who's Quentin's going to university, JD's going to Notre Dame. So um, he trains us and I've just been able to see, he still tries to keep up with us. Like uh, last week um, I was maxing out on deadlift and um, I was doing 400 and then he put on 420 and he did it. <laughs> I was like, really? And my dad, he, <laughs> his, his knees are like from football still like, he has a torn meniscus and he's deadlifting 420. So to me, when I see that, it just shows me that like, despite all the other things, like if you put your mind to something, you can do it. So I had to put on 430 so I can up, up him one. <laughs> so um, yeah, I've just been able to learn how to work and seeing what he puts into it. And he's so disciplined, like every single night he's stretching while we might be watching TV or he's on the ground doing core. He's up in the morning early, he's going on runs he's still staying in shape and he's done this all throughout his life. So it's kind of taught me to stick and really learn good habits, good eating habits, good working out habits. If you do that. And one thing he preaches is the little things. And if you do a lot of the little things, right, then it's obviously going to turn into one big thing. And that's the big product that you're trying to get out. And it's not the big things that makes the player successful. It's the little things that they do. It's the eating right. It's the stretching. It's the, mobility it's the getting enough enough sleep at night that's going to turn you into a better player so he's really taught that to me throughout my life 
Awesome. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you knew Elijah, but Don can deadlift uh, 500. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. On a I good mean, day. I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don's very weak. <laughs> anyway, I'll disregard all that. But um, I did want to talk about your high school career because I feel like the fans, a lot of obviously North Carolina fans, UNC fans, live in the state of North Carolina, follow high school football in North Carolina, but not in Georgia. And you played for a pretty good team. They actually won the state championship the last three years, which are the three years that you were a significant part of, of the varsity team. What was that like these past three years, playing on a team that, that just basically dominated like that? Yeah, um, it's, it's been amazing, like just being able to play on a team that pretty much all we knew was winning. And a lot of the time, people didn't really think we were going to win. Like our first state championship team, we'd lost a pretty strong senior class for, and there's a lot of question marks about our season and what we were going to do, how well we were going to be, what we were able to accomplish. And we were able to pretty much defy all odds and win the state championships and beat the team. Because earlier that year in the region championship, we lost to Marist, which is a powerhouse in our division. And we lost to them in the region championship. And we ended up seeing them again in the state championships. A lot of people were like, oh, they're going to lose. And um, a funny thing about it was um, we were supposed to play in the Georgia Dome, but there was a whole big snow blizzard, the first that Georgia's seen in pretty much a really long time. So the game actually got canceled and we had to play at their home stadium. Mm. So come in and beat them in the state championship at their home stadium and it was packed there's like 7,000 people there and it was a huge deal and it was cold it was like 32 degrees that game so um, it was just an awesome and being able to do that and next year we had high expectations again a lot of people didn't see us losing because we had a really strong team and that's pretty much what we did we went 15-0 and won the state championship again and after that year, we lost um, our other running back who played with me, Steel Chambers, who's at Ohio State. We lost J.D. Bertrand, who's at Notre Dame. We lost Ryan Davis, who's at, a receiver at UAB. We lost our quarterback, Jake Smith, who's at Air Force. We lost our uh, D-end, who's at um, Middle Tennessee. So we lost a huge senior class, and a lot of people didn't see us winning again. They thought we'd even our head coach, he said in an interview that this would be a rebuilding year and that um, he'd be surprised if we won like seven, eight games, maybe lost first round of the playoffs. So that really pushed me and the seniors to prove them wrong and show them that we were capable of winning a state championship. So we really latched on together through the season. And uh, just through the summer, we really tried to push each other. We tried to push the team. We tried to develop our leaders and really be able to run the team and make sure people were on time to practice. We made sure people kept their grades right. We made sure people weren't getting in trouble at the school. We tried to help hold everyone to a high standard because if we were going to win another championship, that we were going to have to do something that we've never done before. So during the season, we were able to keep on winning. We lost our third game of the season, and people were like, oh, uh, they're not gonna they're not as good as they thought and that was our first loss in 25 games almost two years that was our first loss in a game and a lot of people didn't think that we had what it took but we were able to go throughout the whole season didn't a game and pretty much defy all odds and we opened a lot of eyes even our coaches were surprised at what we were able to do and go and win this championship and uh, amazing feeling especially being able to do that as a senior in my um last game I was able to have two touchdowns I had 206 yards and I was able to be the state championship MVP so that really capped off my senior season you kind of touched on this a little bit but but college coaches have always said I mean every college coach I feel like you know you like to recruit prospects from winning high school programs because they know how to win and they bring that to their college do you feel like that's true? Do you feel like when you come to North Carolina, you are bringing a knowledge of what it takes to win? Yes, I feel like that I have 
I know what it's like to win because during the last four years that we've been winning a lot. So I feel like I can help bring kind of like culture and a sense of what we did and what we felt was successful because to win three, to win one state championship is hard. Two is even harder, but three that that's pretty special. So I feel like I have some insight on a little bit of what we kind of did to be able to be so successful as a program. Okay. And one of the aspects of your high school season, which I think kind of contributed to the fact that you being comfortable of, of a, at that time, a three running back class. And it, this question kind of leads into what Ross is going to talk about is that you were always part of a, a rotation with a significant, a, an, another elite running back, you know, for a while you mentioned Steel Chambers, who by the way, has the best name in the world um, yeah. for, for, you, you played long, alongside him for two years. And this past year, you played with, uh, with Justice Haynes, who is a, a 23 running back who already has a bunch of offers. What, what did you take from that experience you playing with another elite running back that you think is going to help you at North Carolina? Well, I believe that at the running back position that you need to have multiple backs that are ready to go to be successful in a program. I mean, you see it in the NFL all the time with like guys like Alvin Kamara and then Mark Ingram was on there. And you see with the Chiefs, I mean, with the um, 49ers, how successful they are with three backs. And then you even see with North Carolina with Javante and Mike and Antonio that I feel like you need multiple backs that can be able to keep up the pace of the game. And one thing my coach McFarlane always said that we're going to run the ball like 50 times a game and you can't have one guy to run the ball 50 times a game so we need to be able to rotation to keep up the speed of the game so if I go in for 10 plays I need to be to go out and another back come in and be able to keep up that same pace and that tires defenses when a team can constantly wear and tear and run the ball down their throat and the speed of the game never changes because there's always a fresh back I feel like that's really demoralizing for defense because they just never get a break. So that's always been really important. And I think that's a big reason why we were able to be so successful at Blessed Trinity is because our run game was never stopped. If I wasn't in the game, you had Steel Chambers running in the game. If I wasn't in the game, you had Justice Haynes running in the game. So it just was able to really contribute to that. Nice. Yeah. So this leads into kind of uh, UNC's running back depth chart in that that room. You're entering as a freshman alongside DJ Jones, who enrolled early. Obviously, his spring was cut short, but he got through, uh, I guess, most of the strength conditioning work. What do you think about that running back room with, with the two freshmen, you and Jones, and then you got Josh Henderson, who's probably I think a redshirt freshman if not a sophomore, and then, of course, Mike Carter and Javante Williams, who had really good seasons last year. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I'm excited to be able to play alongside them, and I believe that we all got to work together to be able to be the best unit on the field. And, of, of course, that um, we got to help each other all the time. And I think with the rotation that, like, Mike and Javante had, I think that's really important and to be able to get a rotation of running backs and to be able to trust each other, to build a trust within the room and knowing that whoever's in the game can be able to do their job. They can get the blocks right. They can catch out of the backfield. They can run and protect the ball. And it's up to Coach D to have trust in all of his guys. So I think the most important to whoever is in the game to be able to do their job, do it well. Um, how would you describe your game? I mean, every running back is a little bit different what they can do. Uh, what do you think you bring to the running back position at the college level? Um, I think I bring a good speed to the game. I've always been pretty fast. Mm -hmm. So I, I can really bring that and be able to make cuts on a dime. And I feel like my footwork is really uh, well refined. So I feel like I can bring a unique footwork and speed to the game at the college level. What have the UNC coaches basically told you about the running back situation on a game-by-game game 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 basis? Because last year was basically the three, and one of them, uh, Antonio Williams, has since graduated, so that kind of leaves that opening. Um, what have they said, just, that, just your, I guess, prospects of potentially taking that third spot? Well, um, they just say whoever's, whoever they feel like is ready to be able to be in that third spot. 
and whoever can just do their job right so it's kind of up to coach g to whoever he feels like best can help the team win so whether it's me or josh or british or dj just whoever they feel like can best use that spot awesome all right well we're getting pretty close to the end here um you know the 2020 class i believe was ranked number 19 in the nation pretty good recruit pretty good recruiting class um what's your relationship like with some of the guys in that class with you who do you talk to a lot who are you close with who are some of the personalities in that class that uh that you'd like to tell us yeah i've been able to uh, talk to a lot uh me and john copenhaver he was actually in the high school right across the street from my high school okay. so i've known him all in my high school same thing with trey zimmerman so I have good relationships with those guys. Um, Jacoby Criswell, he came and visited Georgia for a long time. So I was able to go out on the field with him and ca uh, catch with him and John. Um, Josh Downs, he, he also is a Georgia guy. So I've been able to meet him, talk to him, stay in contact with him. And um, I'll be rooming with Desmond Evans, Jaden Chalmers, and um, Ray Rose. So on my official, I was able to connect with those guys. and talk to them and really connect with them awesome yeah it seems like unc has a pretty good connection with the roswell uh the town of roswell in terms of football recruiting and that is that north georgia don don uh it's like north atlanta ish okay north yeah. metro atlanta i mean yeah. we, should, we should ask elijah yeah, elijah, yeah say, it, say it again elijah you cut out there what'd you say uh, it's in it's like north fulton county okay mm-hmm yeah, yeah, UNC really recruits Georgia pretty well. All right, good stuff, man. We're uh, pumped to have you at UNC. I cover the team, so I'll be working with you now. Don kind of hands off the recruits <laughs> to me and Greg Barnes inside Carolina. So I'll, uh, I'll definitely see you at you know, training camp and, and throughout your career at UNC. Anything else, uh, Donald? No, I just want to thank Elijah for doing this. I really appreciate it, and you know, good luck with uh, your enrollment and your UNC career. Yeah, I, got one, I got one more thing. Yeah. What was it? What was it like when uh, when Don was covering your recruitment? Was he super annoying? The texts, the calls. What was it like with, with Don having to cover you? It was good. It was good. He, I don't really know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. All right, awesome. We appreciate it, Elijah. This will probably get up. Uh, we'll, we'll probably get it up either today or, or Thursday. All right, sounds good. Thank you. All right, man. See you. Thank you, Elijah. Have a good one. And we're back with the Scoop podcast on Inside Carolina, presented to you by Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Write a little nice, uh, you know, review about Don and how good he looks on the, the YouTube video, and tell us what you like about the different podcasts and 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 how much you love the Scoop, and give us a five star rating. All right, that was a good interview with Elijah. We've done three now. We did go through them, Don. Who have we done so far? Jefferson Boaz, Boaz, Cayman Rucker, Cayman and Rucker. now and now Elijah Green, and I think all of them were awesome. Yeah, and it's great. I mean, these guys are not the five star stud, four star guys that everyone knows. I think so. It's really cool to to listen to their story and and, and see kind of because I mean, if you it depends on how much you cover, how much you follow recruiting. Like you know, there's 25 people in this class, so it's hard to really get to know all of them. So definitely check out our interview with Boaz. And came in Rucker. They were both great. And Elijah Green, another great interview. Um, it'd be interesting to see how he fits into the running back room because uh, Michael Carr is a senior. Javante Williams is a junior. So those two guys will be gone in a, in a year or two. And it kind of opens up for Josh Henderson, Elijah Green, and DJ Jones uh, for the kind of the 21 and 22 season. Um, I, I have a question for you. You know, with um, DJ Jones not really having a spring, um, how much of, I guess, advantage do you think he now has over Elijah Green? Yeah, I think it definitely evens the playing field a lot for those freshmen in terms of playing time. Um, they did get, you know, some strength conditioning work, about two months of, of UNC nutrition, UNC strength conditioning with uh, Coach Brian Hess, and that definitely has an advantage because they can take that knowledge back to their hometown. But the coronavirus across the board is, is definitely even that playing field for whoever's going to go for that spot or which freshman can kind of hop in at different positions and, and provide some help. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all breaks down when it comes to uh, training camp and, and preseason camp and whatnot. Yeah, no, I'm excited. And I think it's going to be a good competition. That was one of the competitions I was, uh, well, I guess I still am looking forward to with Henderson and DJ Jones and with Elijah Green, just seeing who kind of comes out of that because I think 
they will have an advantage for the rest of their UNC career as far as playing time. For sure. All right, let's move on. We uh, teased this earlier. Let's dive into the tight end spot for the 2021 class. This is the one position where there's a little confusion and not, not, not a lot of clarity on who UNC could land. Don, the floor is yours. Who does UNC kind of have on the radar and, and who are they and whatnot? Well, I think the backstory on this is important because uh, as if you've been following North Carolina recruiting, you should know that uh, Tim Brewster was a tight end coach since Mac Brown took office or took office again, uh, but he left in February, I believe, during the February dead period and John Lilly took over. And that obviously puts that position at a little bit of um, a disadvantage because, you know, new coach, new, um, new thought process values, different things. On top of that, you had the coronavirus hit, which mm. it actually, right after you know, we had the February dead period, and then we basically had maybe like a couple of weeks, and then boom, there was a dead period, which prevented, obviously, all visits, and that continues to last this day until at least July 31st, and probably will last probably beyond that. Anyway, so during that short couple of weeks, UNC wasn't able to really get anyone on campus because I think spring break kind of fell in there also, and, and there were some other things going on. So John Lilly has basically had to try to recruit a bunch of tight ends who weren't able to visit campus. And the, the one who, the one tight end target right now who has Bryson Nesbitt, uh, he visited obviously before Lilly became coach and he's visited a bunch of times and USC basically kind of missed out on at least one tight end target, Miles Campbell, who uh, went on to commit to Georgia tech. I'm sorry. He went on to commit to Tennessee. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he always wanted to visit North Carolina and still may eventually, but that mm. just kind of shows just what sort of, what sort of obstacle that Lily has been working under. So basically there, there's three Wait. tie-in targets right now. Go ahead. Oh yeah. First tell us about Nisbet because Nisbet, because you might not know who that is. Yeah. So Nisbet, part, of, part of being a good podcast host yeah. is laying out, cause you might have a new listener who has no idea who Nisbet is. Well, that's what I rely on you for. But anyway, I, I rely on you for structure cause you know, I'm not structured. All right. You got to you got to kind of sand off those edges. Anyway, uh, Nesbitt is a tight end from from Charlotte and actually prior to this past season has focused solely on basketball, even though his father played football at uh, South Carolina. His mother also was an athlete at South Carolina, and he just really kind of blew up. LSU was his first offer early last season, and, and I don't know how many he has right now, but it's, it's definitely in the double digits, probably a couple dozen um, and has really attempted to take a very methodical approach to his recruitment, taking as many visits as possible. The best we have got out of him as far as favorites is a top 14. And he's very, very smart kid, doesn't like to tip his hand at all. And so you don't get a whole lot out of him when you ask him questions. So that's, that's one guy. And then we have Robbie Oates, who's from South Carolina. Another guy that, well, he actually is one of the first guys that, um, that Lily offered. He, one of the first visits he planned on taking was to North Carolina in March that obviously was canceled. Um, he has since kind of taken a step back from recruiting, planned to take all of his visits before proceeding. There's a lot of other schools involved with him, um, like South Carolina, Alabama, Georgia, so on and so forth. And the last guy, Michael Trigg, might be more of a, of a reach, although he's been very um, responsive to North Carolina. He's a, a four-star guy, the only four-star of, of these three um, from out of um, – out of Florida, and he's another guy who, whose background is mostly basketball, uh, but when you watch his film, you see football player in him. I mean, he's, he's a, a big, thick, strong kid, um, whereas Nesbitt looks more of a tall, long uh, uh, basketball player. But uh, Trigg is a guy who, you know, I, I feel like Florida State and Alabama – I'm sorry, Florida State and Auburn are the two that are the strongest challengers for him, but North Carolina is definitely in there. Um, and he wants to make a visit. So those are the main three for right now. How do you spell the Robbie Oates guy? O-U-Z-T-S, but it's pronounced Oates, it's from what gotcha. I was told. Okay, let's try to find him. All right, good stuff there on tight ends. A lot of information there. Uh, maybe like a tight end article could be a good addition to a school. Well, we had an update. And I don't want to give, give it away, but we had an update in the weekly scoop that kind of just gives a little bit of a picture of where North Carolina is heading in this position. And the problem really is, okay. is that it, there's so, for the reasons I mentioned earlier, it has to, some of the things need to be worked out. Yeah. Okay, great. 
Okay. Uh, finally, we're going to close with some Tony Grimes talk. We might end up doing a Grimes segment called uh, the Grime Dog segment. Um, Getting grimy? Yeah, I'm going to leave that up to you. Um, okay, so what's going on with him? There's been a little bit of news. He had top four. He released. There was, And then Wilt Fong, Steve Wilt Fong got some quotes about him potentially – skipping his senior year and, and potentially enrolling, enrolling early at his school of choice. That is only because – that is only going to happen if Virginia doesn't have high school football. Uh, just give us a little Grimes update because I think our listeners would enjoy that five-star guy, top ten guy in the country. Yeah, so he's a guy that Dre Bly has basically gone all in with, and that has paid dividends so far because North Carolina has definitely been surviving throughout this recruitment where a lot of other programs who at one point or another were considered strong contenders have fallen off completely. His top four that he came out with, Georgia, Ohio State, Texas A&M, and North Carolina, um, I won't say which one. You can read the scoop. It goes into detail about this, but I think one of the schools has already kind of fallen out, and that, that mm. ranking actually came out. Um, or that list actually came out, I think, on the 30th or the 31st of, of um, May. Uh, as far as the early graduation, I mean, as long as the state of Virginia has a high school football season, this is, this is a non-story because he's going to stay there and play his senior season. And as of Friday, the VHSL came out with a, an update that basically said it, we're proceeding we're waiting on some guidance from the governor and, and those sort of things. I mean, it's just like everything else with this coronavirus stuff. You know, everybody's waiting for somebody else, somebody up higher on the chain to figure out what's going on. Um, but I think the important thing is, is right now they're moving in the direction of having a football season. And unless something happens, it seems like, you know, they're going to have a high school football season. Okay. Good stuff there. Uh, Tony Grimes. Yeah. I mean, the quote that stood out to me, from your scoop, not to give too much away, was that Dre from his dad, Dre Bly is a force in this area right now. I mean, this uh, Tony Graham's dad is a quote machine. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I've def- definitely enjoyed talking to him because yeah, he he can give you just a couple of quotes that are great. And if you follow him on Twitter, <laughs> he has some um, interesting things to say on, on Twitter. Very, very outspoken opinionated guy but he was saying that in reference to just how and what i alluded to earlier how how much dre bly is recruiting not how much not only how much he's recruiting just how he's recruiting um tony grimes and and his dad and 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 his mom obviously too um and he just um relates to those kids in that area because he's he's a legend in that area i mean it's it's, you you kind of i mean it's i guess it's easy to understand but to fully grasp it, you have to be in that area and just mention his name and just see um, people just kind of light up um, talking about Dre, uh, Dre Bly. I mean, everybody seems to know him personally, not just know who he is, seems to have some sort of connection with him. His mom still lives in the area. There's a video out on Twitter early, last week with his uh, filming his mom riding the bike around the neighborhood. Um, his sister is a a high school coach. I can't remember which. I think it's Maury High School. She's a high, I mean, a high school coach, high school teacher at Maury High School. So, I mean, he's still embedded in that community, even though he lives, well, his family lives in Charlotte and he basically lives in Chapel Hill. Yeah, he's actually fishing right now. Do you see that? Yeah. His Instagram posts of him fishing? I, I saw some of his uh, tweets yeah, uh, of him fishing. Um, Dre Bly, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, he. I was just I was writing some articles about him because he worked out with Stefan Gilmore recently, mm-hmm. and so I was doing a little thing on that over the weekend. And I just I, I didn't really cover I obviously didn't cover it, but I didn't really follow UNC football much in the '90s. Um, I was a Georgia Tech fan, surprisingly. Um, but you know, eleven interceptions as a freshman. I think he was a three-time All-American and a two-time first-team All-American. He's the first-team All-American as a freshman. Um, I mean, he's one of the best corners in college football history and went on to a really long, productive NFL career. Uh, all right, Dre Bly, good stuff there, and Tony Grimes, of course. Okay, I think that's about it, Don. Um, anything else you want to add or anything you want to talk about? No, we're not allowed to talk about Thirsty for Women, um, but uh, this has been enjoyable, our first, uh, first try at this Zoom meeting and actually seeing each other. What, have you, what are your thoughts on, on it so far? Yeah, I like the Zoom. I think it's good for verbal cues and things like that. It is a little annoying because you have two screens, but I have, if I want to go to a person's profile or check out Google Doc or check anything, like even like news and text and whatnot, you know, I have to 
pull up another screen or you could see my eyes kind of moving somewhere else because i mean who knows yeah to break and like what, that. Do you, what do you do when you have to pick your nose have you figured that out yet no no have you seen me i've been uh stifling some yawns i've been doing that have you? the whole thing yeah <laughs> yeah we're definitely more conscious of what uh what we're doing yeah, you know yeah, i'm even sure. kind of i like to drink a lot when i'm talking a lot and uh every time i drink i'm like looking i'm like oh man this looks awful yeah i think you I mean just keep it natural i don't think i mean it's whatever we're doing a pod we're talking it is what it is uh how's the uh how's the working out and the weight and the diet and everything i actually have some news so i have Getting given up pounds? no well not 10 pounds um so i i i don't want to say give up i'm allowed only ice cream once a week now <laughs> last week so we went on this kick of having ice cream almost every single night yeah and so good, so good. and so um uh, yeah i love ice cream um and so the one morning i'm working out i go to the bathroom and, and this is great that we're actually filming this i had boob sweat under boob sweat and I'm like, what is this? I've never had under boob sweat before. So I'm like, the culprit must be ice cream. So yeah, and I couldn't give it up completely. So we're just having ice cream on Fridays for now. And I noticed that that was gaining a little bit since we were doing all that ice cream eating. But uh, yeah, so- Wait, so you had boob sweat from what? Well, I was working out. So okay. I'm like, and I had never had, it's under boob sweat. I think there's a difference. I wanted to just be as, as direct as possible about this. Um, yeah, this line, this line of-, okay. of under boob sweat and I was I was working out and um I was like man what is going on and so I was like it had to be ice cream so yeah yeah what's your favorite kind of ice cream you know we do a lot of like going to Sonic or Dairy Queen where um you're just getting like the Reese's you know the the blizzard you don't even like buy from the store and bring it to your house we we do that too and yeah so I do the Reese's I do I mean I I like it all I like uh, Rocky Road um yeah I like, um, I'm a big, like chocolate based, like Rocky road type stuff, like yeah. uh, fudge and stuff like that. You, you would like fudge. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you got me rattled there. I got a plan for you. Uh-oh. you know, this would be, this would actually be great content. Oh man. What if we did a, um, what if we did like a weight loss? Like I move in <laughs> or you move here. Just stop right there. That right there is enough for me to, to okay this. <laughs> or you move into my house because I have two extra bedrooms. And for six weeks, I put you through a <laughs> diet and training regimen and see how much weight you can lose in six weeks, like six or eight weeks. That gets you in shape. Like he, we're talking 530 runs. We're talking <laughs> salads. We're talking double day workouts. We're talking push-ups, sit-ups. I mean, like we'll have a regimented plan. It'd be good for me too because – I'll do everything with you. I could, I could, so I could do the workout stuff, believe it or not. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm going to be great at it or anything, but I yeah, can do it. Yeah, we build up to it. Um, the, the problem I'm going to have is the problem I've always had. Because I, I actually, believe it or not, I have a pretty fast metabolism. Um, the problem is, is that I love food that's bad for me. The worse it is for me, the better I like it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, so that's, that's my biggest problem. And, and I just go crazy. If, you know, on days where I don't eat any of my, I guess, um, my bad foods, I, it's, it's crazy, you know. You like, if you don't have like bad foods, it's... Like, if I just eat just my normal, you know, like I have fruit for snack, you know, and just, you know, normal, <laughs> don't like... Lie to, don't lie to us. I, 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 I do have fruit for snack. Um, and then I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm like, I got to go to Sonic. I got to go get... Sonic a, is good. Sonic is good. What do you um, get there? What do you get there food-wise? So we'll do, do the poppers. Um, what are those? Are those? The, those? They have the um, jalapeno. Gotcha. In a, um, Fried jalapeno cheese type things? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like the mozzarella sticks. My wife really li- likes the Mexi tots, so we get those a lot. Um, yeah. So last night, I guess, I don't know if this is new or not, but, um, oh, so we cheated last night. <laughs> so we got ice cream, and my wife was like, they had um, pretzel sticks, too. I think that's new at Dairy Queen. And I was like, yeah, dude, game. Oh, you went to Dairy Queen. Okay. Yeah. Last night. Um, Sonic is good. They have so many like good little appetizer type yes, yeah. things. And then I like their, um, Texas toast bacon cheddar burger. It's on Texas toast. It's got an onion ring, barbecue sauce. That's what I always get. And they have the happy hour drinks. Yeah. Well, we, um, there are some times where we're like, all right, let's go out to eat tonight. And then we're like, oh, let's just stay in and go to, 
what are you doing? Let's just stay in and just order a bunch of appetizers from Sonic and just pig out on that. See, that's my problem. It's it's the it's the 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 food, the food. I and I. That's know, why we need a eight week eight week get your system back going. I'll teach you how to eat healthy. I feel like I would go through te- detox. We'll do almonds and nuts, almonds and broccoli for snack, raw broccoli. For snack, yeah. I, I don't mind raw bro- broccoli if I have a good dip. Yeah, ranch, right? You just drench it in ranch. Uh, I mean, it could be ranch, but I like. Uh, I, there's a buffalo dip that I think Food Lines uh, sells. I like. I'm a big food line guy, actually. All right. Maybe we'll continue this. We'll do food talk with Don at the end of every segment, uh, at the end of every show. All right, Don, anything else? No, let's get this show on the road. All right. Thanks for listening to the scoop. We'll be back uh, soon. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase?